Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Want to thank you all, Dodger fans, for listening to the Incline Dodgers podcast all season long. 162 games are in the books, and the Los Angeles Dodgers finish 162 2019. We'll give 2020 credit to 2021, 2022, and 2023. Basically, five consecutive 100 win seasons, if you ask me, four technically, but my goodness. What a fun year it was. Can't wait to reflect on it with Jake Reiner and Dusty Baker, who's joining us as well. Glad to have Dusty back. Uh, Your Los Angeles Dodgers take the series against the San Francisco Giants on a high note. We got some questions from the listeners. We're going to reflect on the season right now. We're going to talk about the NLDS, the wild card round. Kevin Klein speaking. But let me hand it over to Dusty Baker since it's been a couple months. The last time Dusty was on, the trade deadline was just a couple weeks away. We threw a lot of predictions out there. I don't think we really got any of them right, but hey, who cares? The Dodgers were awesome in the second half, and that's all that matters. Dusty, how you doing? Dude, you know what I, I got to say? Cheers to us on uh, making it through. <laughs> this, is, this is some good old uh, Louisville bourbon that we got in our hands to celebrate uh, the Louisvillians that are on the Dodgers, 100 wins. Yeah, we were not quite on par, I think, with uh, exactly what our predictions were, but um, man, I tell you what, if you had told me that the Dodgers were going to win a hundred games at that point, I would have said, ah, I don't know about it. If you told me a month and a half beforehand, I would have said, absolutely not. The The way that this team has just totally turned their trajectory and, and figured it out along the way. Uh, I honestly got to give credit to the Freddie, right? The Freddie dances when it all kind of felt like it started turning in the right direction. Um, and the energy just changed on this team. The pitching has figured itself out a little bit. Obviously, there's some question marks, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, ultimately, man, the offense is lethal. This team is primed, man. They're they going to be very dangerous. And I'm excited. We're talking about Dodgers baseball in the playoffs. Instead of uh, kind of fearing it, I'm going into this thing thinking they've got as good a shot as anybody, uh, including the Atlanta Braves. So I'm really excited to uh, to see what they do down the stretch here. I agree, Dusty. I think the the tone and attitude really did change with the Freddie Freeman dance. Didn't feel like they lost too many games after they started dancing. I'm excited to see that in the postseason. Hopefully, they carry that forward. Everyone on national, t- everyone watching on national TV will get to see it as well firsthand. So let's hope the Dodgers hit a lot of doubles, a lot of triples, a lot of home runs, so they can dance their way all the way to a World Series title. I'm very excited about the Dodgers this postseason. David Rosenthal will be joining us in a couple minutes as well. Uh, but Jake Ryder. How you doing, my man? I'm good. You know, looking back on some of the predictions that we made at the beginning of the season, um, I had some horrific predictions, just <laughs> absolutely embarrassing. Um, can't wait to uh, do the incline awards to see my ass just get absolutely flamed uh, for all the bad predictions that I had. But, but there are two predictions that I want to highlight real quick. Not so much a prediction, but just a take that I had at the beginning of the season, which was this team is better than you think they are. Everyone thought that we lost so much in the offseason, but I was like, we still have Freddie Freeman and we still have Mookie Betts and we have all these all these veteran players around. 
and we're bringing back the majority of our bullpen. I just felt like this team was going to perform really well. And I think we kind of, we kind of predicted 95 ish wins, maybe 90 to 95 ish wins, I think was our mark. So 95 was mine. Yeah. So we, we weren't that far off. And at all, every, all y'all laughed at me when I said that the Dodgers were going to start 40 and 10, all y'all laughed at me and they didn't start 40 and 10, but, <laughs> but it was only, it, we only had to wait till August for that to happen. So I, I just, I, exactly. I just felt like this team was, was going to be a lot better than people thought they were. I'm glad I made that prediction because I was looking at this roster and I thought no way even with all the moves that the Padres made in the off season, no way the Padres are going to make up all 20 games or whatever it was that they were behind at the end of the 2022 season. So I'm just so happy with this team. I I'm, I'm with dusty on this one. I'm excited for the postseason. Uh, and, and, and I think they, they are primed and they, and they aren't limping into the playoffs. They've played really well, you know, in September, not as well as in August, but they've played well enough in September to give me enough confidence going into the postseason. I'm going to need you to refresh my memory, Jake, of some of your bad takes, but speaking of Padres and dropping in right now, I think the front runner for worst takes going to go to David Rosenthal, who have the just (laughs) eliminated San Diego Padres going to the NLCS. David, not to put you on blast, but we were just talking about the Dodgers winning 100 wins once again and just starting to get into that right now as we reflect on just another great regular season that the Dodgers put forward. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said on the last episode, I I put my hand up. I was wrong. Uh, Even even towards the end, I still thought the Padres had a chance. Um, But that team will go down as one of the most confusing teams in MLB history just because of they all kind of had good seasons, but they all just lost every game pretty much. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but here we are. I was wrong. Congratulations to the Dodgers. Happy to be wrong on that. And honestly, I feel as good as I've felt going into the playoffs probably since 2020. I like this roster. I kind of like what they're doing uh, with the pitching rotation, kind of not really telling anybody and kind of just going with whatever vibe feels right. And I think it could work this year. I really do. Well, what we know now is that Clayton Kershaw is the odds on favorite, according to Dave Roberts, to get the ball in game one. I felt he was going to be the game one starter most of the way through. Then those shoulder injuries kind of had me questioning what his health would be like. But he's actually looked pretty good over his last three or four outings. So I feel pretty good about the decision. Um, 13 and five this regular season, 246 ERA. Guess what? His career ERA, 248. So somehow here we are 16 years later and Clayton Kershaw still has a lower ERA career mark or than his career mark. 131 innings, uh, just another great season for Kershaw. Obviously, the injuries kind of set him back. He may have been in the Cy Young race had he pitched a full season. Guess we'll never know. But moving forward to the playoffs, uh, what do you guys, any of you chime in on how you feel about Clayton Kershaw getting the ball game one? Yeah, I I think. Go ahead, Dusty. I, I think the uh, the the easy thing to say is Dodgers fans need to be ready for a different look of Clayton Kershaw. That doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, we're going to see a way different Kershaw than what we've seen in the past. We're going to see more of how they manage him. Uh, I think innings-wise, you're probably not going to see him go out for a seventh inning. In fact, you may not see him anywhere near the seventh inning. I, I could see him pulled after five innings of a quality start um, or or initially into a quality start. 
and then yanked for a long reliever. Um, I think that's just kind of how you're going to have to expect that Dodgers fans may sit there and be like, if Kershaw's, you know, allowing no runs through five innings, why did they pull him initially? Well, if you look at his recent starts, he hasn't gone over five and a third innings. Uh, obviously his durability is in question. Um, and the biggest thing the Dodgers have been knocked about with him in the past is putting him out there for too long. So I just think that you're going to get a good five innings probably out of him each time you get him out on the hill and don't sit there and expect much more than that. Knowing that he can do that, um, you know, that's not out of the question. Pitch count's obviously going to be a big part of that too. But um, I think that we're going to see as good of stuff as we've ever seen from Kershaw. I just think we're going to see it maybe in a little more limited or more contained situation um, so that they can get linked out of him throughout the postseason. Like instead of burning him in one game that you have him go seven innings and all of a sudden uh, there's issues again with health or anything down the road, I think they're going to be a little safer with him knowing the depth that they have. I mean, they've got great arms that can kind of back and piggyback him uh, moving forward here. Uh, A lot of young arms, guys that can go two, three chunk innings. And I like that about this team. I think for the postseason, especially that that is a huge advantage that a lot of other teams don't have. So um, I think he's an easy game one starter. I just think five innings, five and a third, you're not going to see much more than that. I mean, it's the obvious choice, right? It's it's what we all kind of thought pretty much the whole season that Kershaw was going to be the game one starter in the postseason. And I really like it from another standpoint, which is it's basically Kershaw and the kids, you know, it's Bobby Miller, it's Ryan Pepio, it's Emmett Sheehan. And, and you've got, you know, sort of Yarbrough and Lance Lynn, the two veterans uh, kind of waiting in the wings. there, ready to go. But I like that they're going with the future Hall of Famer, the three time Cy Young Award winner to kind of set the tone, be that veteran on the mound to, to set that tone for the series, much like the Guys in the clubhouse have been setting the tone all season. The Miguel Rojas's of the world, the Jason Haywards of the world, David Peralta, J.D. Martinez, the list goes on and on. So I, I'm 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 thrilled that Kershaw is going to be the game one starter. We're we're not going like Dusty was saying. We're not going to see the same kind of Kershaw thing that we've seen in the past. He may not even get to five innings. You know, we we've kind of seen him uh, go three, four innings, and that's fine. That you can live with that. You know, if he can give you four solid innings. The Dodgers have been preparing for this. You've seen the way that they've been using Pepio out of the bullpen. They even used him in today's game where it was like randomly he came out uh, in like the seventh inning. So these guys have been doing these roles for a long time. And so that's why I kind of feel confident in kind of throwing these guys into the fire. But having Kershaw set that tone is huge. Do you feel confident in Clayton Kershaw pitching the game for if it's needed on four days rest, or is that not enough time at this point in his career or health, I guess. I I wouldn't push it. I mean, I obviously there's a lot of what ifs. Um, I mean, you gotta, one, you gotta see what he looks like game yeah, one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And pitch count is going to be a big part of it. Like I, I think if he goes out in game one and throws you 80 pitches, um, or more, you're probably not going to do that. Um, odds are that's going to probably be right around the number. And I, I just, I think that you got so many other pieces. Uh, hopefully there's not even going to be a game for, if you get to that point, um, I would put a pretty hefty dollar on the fact that Dodgers already have a, you know, a two, one series lead. 
Um, and you probably sit there and say, we'll use them in game five if we have to, but uh, you probably have enough pieces with the hitting and, and the matchups coming up too. I, I just, I don't really see how the Dodgers go into a game four not favored against the Diamondbacks or a Brewers team that uh, both teams kind of lack in the offensive department. The Dodgers do not lack in and, and depth wise at that point, you're getting to their fourth starter each probably. So um, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing it happen, but I, I think Kershaw's your game five if, if necessary. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. That was my only one thing that I was a little found a little peculiar is I don't know if Clayton Kershaw could bounce back from a game one to game four, but Bobby Miller, I feel like he certainly could, hmm. but so it's a little bit of rolling the dice, but Dave Roberts has all the faith in the world in Clayton Kershaw and so should Dodger fans. So I get the move. Um, we can move on. Gabe Kapler got fired. Any thoughts on that? Weird. I was reading up on that and really weird. It just seems like there's so many different accounts of him maybe losing the locker room. Then you got mm-hmm. Logan Webb kind of talking to the media about this. And then, you know, got Kai Correa. That guy's so weird. He's just a weird dude. I I, I don't know him, but like he just seems weird. Um, it kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of strange though. I mean, you know, the 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 Giants couple seasons removed of winning 107 games, you know, and then and then they fire. Gabe Kapler. And to be honest, like, would you have expected anybody to win with that roster? I mean, it was just so bad. It was just, and I'm surprised they were even in the mix for the playoffs. So to me, it's like for Gabe Kapler to take that roster and have them on the brink of getting a wild card spot. I don't really know. I mean, I guess someone, someone's head had to roll and it wasn't going to be Farhan Zaidi. So I guess it had to be Gabe Kapler. Yeah, yeah, something went wrong if you're firing him with three games left in the season. Uh, if if it's kind of peaceful, you're just going to wait three games. But clearly something was reached a limit where they just couldn't wait anymore. So hopefully that comes out because, I don't know, I never liked that guy to begin with. Uh, super weird dude, but, yeah, whatever. I You know what wouldn't surprise me is if they get uh, Melvin from San Diego. Yeah, that's the fun rumor right now. And honestly, if you look at Melvin and the history of who he's managed, uh, he's used to managing kind of low-budget Oakland Athletics teams. Yeah. And that's kind of what the San Francisco Giants in a nutshell are and low personalities. And and for the first time ever, you know, he's had to deal with egos and uh, it just hasn't really worked out the way that maybe Melvin had kind of envisioned. And so, I, I mean, that is kind of an easy thing to see is Melvin in San Francisco. And maybe that's why the Giants did it. Maybe they have kind of an in on the idea that Melvin's going to be out soon. Who knows? Um, there's only so much in the industry that we do know, uh, from the outside looking in, but uh, I, I could see that as an easy matchup, but yeah, it, it is a weird thing. Kapler, um, you know, some giants fans got really frustrated with just the constant platooning. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's hard to expect success when the guys you're platooning with, no matter what, they're not going to have success on either side of the ball. And so, um, he was put in a very difficult situation. I think he did a good job two years ago, to be honest. Uh, he put the Dodgers, pushed the Dodgers to the brink, but he's kind of a weird dude also. So I don't know. It's, it it kind of goes both ways. I, I never would see Gabe Kapler being a World Series champion manager either. So um, the Giants maybe in their head, they think there's somebody out there. I got to be honest, though. The Giants front office, they should probably look at themselves in the mirror and say, why the heck have we not had a major signing? Um, what has gone wrong here? A lot of it's the front office. So they should probably take some accountability as well. 
agree with that. Yeah, I, I kind of always liked Gabe Kapler. He was obviously the player development specialist for the Dodgers, was a big part of Corey Seager and Cody Bellinger being the players that they became. Um, I would welcome him back in a, a lesser role like that. Um, but I, I agree with Jake. You know, the rosters that they handed him just weren't really fair, to be honest. And when you look at Gabe Kapler's managerial career, it was always like mid-teams and then that 2021 team, 107 wins, just a huge outlier. This is a good question coming from Whitman7. So this will be our last crack at it before the NLDS roster is announced. What are going to be the 13 pitchers that the Dodgers line up in the NLDS against either the Milwaukee Brewers or the Arizona Diamondbacks? All right. So should we just do this together? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Teamwork makes the dream work. All right. Kevin, you want to like take stock of everybody? Okay, I'll, so I'll write them down. Kershaw, Miller. We saying Pepio's a lock, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's just stick with locks for now. So Phillips, Gratterall, Brazier. All right. That's Shelby six. Miller. Shelby Miller for sure. Seven. Who else is a for sure lock? I think Yarbrough. Joe Kelly. I think Yarbrough. Yeah, Joe yeah. Kelly. Yarbrough. Yeah. We'll put Joe Kelly. We'll put Yarborough. Lynn? I'm saying Sheehan's a lock. Sheehan is a lock. Definitely. He's been the second best pitcher for the Dodgers over the last month. Uh, I think he's an easy lock and gives you a length as well. Lance Lynn. How many is that, Kevin? We're at 10. So, so we three, more. three more. So I mean, good I... problem to have when we get to that quick already. So Vessia and Ferguson are still floating out there. Lynn is floating out there. Yeah, Lynn, yeah. I think at this point, Michael Groves is going to make it. They've already used him three or four times now out of the bullpen. He's succeeded every time. For whatever reason, the Dodgers are just enamored with this stuff, and he's not good at starting, so they better not do that. But out of the pen, he's been pretty solid. So if he was he's... he was actually pretty decent out of the pen earlier in the season when they did a whole like opener deal with him and then they brought him in for like four innings there. So he for whatever reason seems to have success there and he does have good stuff. It's just like like we brought up last time, I think David brought it up with where, where he had that weird stat line where he gave up 10 runs and struck out 10 guys. I just, you know, you, you kind of hope that it, <laughs> that that doesn't happen again, but um, to me, it's like, he's, he's the name at the end of the bench. You know, he's not, he's not going to be a guy that you're going to call on to me. I think he's going to be a, a Kenta Maeda Ross stripling guy, but yeah, you're, I, but, I, but what, but you're, but you're not going to, you, you, you're bringing him in over like a Shelby Miller or a Joe Kelly, or you're bringing him in over those guys. Exactly. If it's well, it depends if it's a back to back. I don't know if they want to use Joe Kelly and Shelby Miller back to back nights. That is kind of dicey. I mean, the way it's lined up, it's like you've got a game and then a day off and then another game. So you probably could do that. You probably wouldn't have to go to Grove. That's true, except I believe games three and four sandwiched. Yeah. Yeah. So it's game off day, game off day, two games. Off day, game five. 
Yeah. And that's where the that's where the issue lies is if you get to that game four, obviously. Um I sit here and I just wish the Kyle Hurd experiment went a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we I'm sitting do. here I'm like Yeah, maybe maybe at least one more game. <laughs> oh god, man. Like, can you imagine just the the firepower that kid has? I, I think he's going to be special and um it just kind of sucks because we could have this argument about him, but obviously uh, he's kind of out, out for the count on that. But I, I, I do actually kind of lean towards what Kevin's saying just because of an overall depth standpoint. I think that Grove can give you a couple innings and it, he is technically the hottest hand. I, the thing that uh, I'm having a hard time with is Caleb Ferguson, to be honest, because Ferguson's just been struggling lately, but you know, he's got put out stuff. So it's like, what Ferguson are you getting? We've seen hot streaks. We've seen the highs. We've seen the lows with him over the last month for Ferguson. It's not been good. It's been a 6.97 ERA, a whip over 1.5, but the caper nines over 13. So, I mean, he puts guys out. I just, I, I don't know if I trust the, him. The problem, the problem with Ferguson is that the lows are horrendous and they're really bad. And they can, that can put you out of a playoff game. So that's the problem. Do you go with the kind of in, in my eyes with Grove, it's maybe a, high floor and with you know ferguson you have more of a potentially higher ceiling but as far as the possible possibility for chaos it i mean he could break a game from a you know three to one game turns to a seven that's what concerns me about him are you leaving off? Are you leaving off Ferguson? Uh, I'm sorry, Vesia and Lynn. No, can I? I, w- I would like to make a case now. So Please. we last uh, last I spoke, we, we had ten locks, and then there's three spots. So I'm gonna personally guarantee that Lance Lynn will be on this roster, and the yep. other two spots are gonna go to Ferguson, Vesia, or Grove. Two of those three guys, and the third, the final spot is gonna go to Lance Lynn, and I'll tell you why. You have three off days in a five-game series. What that means is you can use these bullpen guys pretty much in game one and game two, and they'll be ready for game three and four. So with that three and four sandwiches, basically you're going to ask like Pepio, Sheehan, and Yarbrough to just kind of take down those innings, unless you're going to throw Kershaw back out there in game four. But the reason why you you have to keep Lynn on there is, one, you're carrying, you're asking this out of three rookies. Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, and Emmett Sheehan. If one of those guys gets the yips or go, his first outing, he's he's walked four batters in a row and just you, you got to go get him, you need to have Lance Lynn. You just have to have that option in the back pocket. You have 12 other pitchers to carry a five-game series with three off days. This is an absolute no-brainer. Ideally, you don't have to use him, but I'm personally going to guarantee that he is 100% going to be on this roster. You have to you have to add him on there. I'm with yeah, you he's, on that. He's, yeah, he's been there. He's done it, and he, and he eats innings. So I, I, I agree. I think that it's not necessarily the sexy choice. Um, obviously, the numbers aren't very great, and he, he's not the most reliable as far as um, from how he's been pitching this season, but he eats innings and yet you need a guy that can eat innings too in the playoffs. So, and he is phenomenal. If he, if he gets into a jam, he can yeah. get out of any jam and hold his composure. And he's been there before, which in the playoffs, you want to have that option. If you break glass in case of emergency option guaranteed. Yep. Completely. Agree. Where do you, where do you fall on this, Kevin? I'm glad you asked. I think that logic makes perfect sense in a best of seven, but I don't think you need that guy in a best of five. And so therefore I think actually Lance Lynn will be the guy left off the NLDS roster. 
a la kind of like Tony Gonsolin in 2020 when they didn't really use him until the NLCS. You got Kershaw, you got Miller, you got Pepio. If one of those guys struggles, we already mentioned the depth. They got Ryan Yarbrough and Emmett Sheehan and then potentially Michael Grove. That seems like more than enough options to me because I don't think they want to bring Lance Lynn out of the bullpen. I don't even remember the last time Lance Lynn has successfully pitched out of the bullpen in his, in his career. So why are we going to introduce him to that? I don't that think it matters for him because it's it's Lance Lynn, you know? He's just like a he's not really a pitcher, he, he just he, throws the ball. He's just like a big hoss out there who's just I think, ready to throw. I think whenever. Lance Lynn is too much of a field pitcher to bring out of the bullpen, especially with his home run tendencies. We're talking about a guy that's given up 16 home runs at a crazy high clip and it's not like he's been pitching great. Yeah, he has a 4.36 ERA with the Dodgers, but he's also been kind of lucky cuz he has a 6.16 FIP. Again, I'm I'm not saying you plan on using him, but I think you kind of should have him on the roster in case. I I'm with David on this one. I just I I just I I get the numbers. I get the numbers. I get the peripherals. I understand all of that. But when when you when you need a dog in the postseason, this this guy can be that guy. And yeah. you're not scheduling him to start a game, but. What we just talked about, what if Kershaw in game one is is not Kershaw or or you don't trust to bring him back in the series if it goes that way? You have Lance Lynn on the roster. You say, OK, we're not going to start Kershaw. We're going to start Lynn. You know, you have that option. If he's not on the roster, you don't have that option at all. I'd rather have it. And in and a do or means- die game, though. If the Dodgers if it comes are down, down to it, if you don't have if, if Kershaw's not available, then w- so what are you gonna a, do? So yeah, let me can I throw a scenario out there? I was game four. Say, if okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So if Kershaw shits the bed in game one, and now the Dodgers are down one, two, or it's two, two, whatever your scenario is for the next time Kershaw is thrown. I think the Dodgers go bullpen game over Lance Lynn, if I'm being realistic. Bullpen game in an elimination? Why not? Die? That's what they did in 2020 a few times. Here, Here's the other thing. Um, I think you have to make me feel of, good. Yeah, you have to think about the matchups. So I just want to take you guys through both sides real quickly here. They're going to face either the Diamondbacks or they're going to face the Brewers. Neither team has a ton of pop across the board. When you're looking at the Diamondbacks, you're looking at two key, really three key players, okay? You have Corbin Carroll, the obvious one, left-handed hitter. Then you have Cattell Marte switch. You have Christian Walker right. So lefty-righty doesn't matter a ton uh, because you're ultimately going to meet those three. Some, like Those are the guys you're going to want to avoid. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is also pretty potent, and he's a righty hitter. Uh, the Brewers are interesting because – there's not a lot of depth there in the lineup. And really the main guy that you're going to be concerned about is Christian Yelich, lefty only. So does that change things based off of if you have Arizona or you have the Brewers where, you know, you're kind of trying to get the, the guy that sticks out of the lineup is a lefty, you know, at the end of the day, you have Adamus who's hit or miss, truly piss missile or strikeout righty hitter. Um, that I wouldn't worry too much about matching up, but I would with Yelich. Yelich is the kind of guy that, um, you have to think about. So, so does that change the thing, right? Like, does that change your mindset if it's the Diamondbacks or if it's the Brewers? For me, it doesn't do it a ton. I, I kind of have to lean Lance Lynn as well because of the reasons already, uh, stated, but, um, 
I do think it is a fair point to consider uh, actually just when you're talking about the lefties of Ferguson and Vesey, I think that almost solidifies their time in the rotation and then, or in, in the, as far as on the roster. And then you sit there with Grove or you sit there with Lynn and, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of a difference it makes if you're looking at, you know, what the, one of those two teams, but as far as power is concerned, Arizona's got a lot of pop. Milwaukee is lacking in that department. I mean, the lineups are, uh, I don't want to say the lineups are similar, but in terms of are. like, but, but in terms of like, do they, you know, do they scare me? It's sort of like, you know, you, you hit or miss. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a toss up there. So I, I don't know if it matters in terms of matchups of what, of what, you know, which pitchers you'd go for. I think you do. I think you do have to carry at least one of Vesia or Ferguson though. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yep. No doubt. Also Dodgers went five and one against the Brewers. They went eight and five against Arizona. Neither team is predominantly left-handed heavy. So I think if you got Yarbrough, you can easily use him for just three outs. So that's already one guy. And then, they really only need one of Ferguson and um, Fessia. So it is going to be interesting. I do think that if they do play the Brewers, which seems more likely, then they probably will roster Lancelin just because he's had a lot of success against them. But if the D-backs, you know, sneak their way through, I don't think they need him. So I do agree with Dusty's point. It will be matchup driven. Also, Carlos Santana on the Brewers. He kind of was sneaky against the Dodgers this year. Yeah, he's gotten a little hot too down the stretch. So I... I... He, he's always a guy to be concerned about. Uh, former Dodger, technically, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, a.k.a. Casey, Casey Blake. Blake. <laughs> I don't I don't trust them against Rowdy Telez with like two base, two runners on the base paths. He could sneak in a home run, too. Don't sleep on Rowdy. Yeah, Rowdy Telez. Yeah. All right. Any so, other thoughts on the pitchers? I All think right. uh, I, I think Ev, Ev, Emmett Sheehan, man, he's going to be a key uh, that you're going to watch out for. We we talked about is he a lock? I think he's totally a lock. Um, when you come down to it, like I kind of mentioned before, it's been technically the second best pitcher uh, as far as numbers are concerned over the last month for this team. He's uh, he's striking out hitters at a thirteen over a thirteen K per nine peak, and um, you know he's got filthy stuff. We've seen what he can do. His ceiling is as high as he gets. I think if there's a guy that steps up um, that at the end of the year, we're like, that guy is a dude. Uh, that's Emmett Sheehan for me. I think that he could be a huge, huge asset down the stretch here. I like it. Yeah. Emmett Sheehan. Let's see those, that October magic hot hand right now. On Twitter, Dennis Byron. How concerned should we be about Max Muncy at third base? Should we be starting Kike at third instead? I'll take this one. Yeah. Um, Max Muncy, the, the, the two things that I was worried about kind of like, you know, in the, in the peripherals here going into the postseason is um, Dave Roberts uh, making one or two, just asinine, just tear your hair out decisions and Max Muncy at third. Um, I just, I'm so worried I'm so worried that he's going to do something colossal uh, at, at third base because it's it, it's either one of it's either one of two things. He's either excellent or he's a disaster. So you don't know which version you're going to get of him. But the bottom line is, is that 
he has to play. He has to be in the lineup. Just yep. no question about it. So you can't start Kike, unfortunately, but you can bring Kike in late in, in, in games, depending on what the situation is. The Dodgers are up big or um, if Max Muncy's not going to come up again in the lineup, but if it's a close game, either they're down by a run or two or they're up a run or two in the late innings, you got to just ride with Max Muncy. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I second everything you said. I, I think the, the reason why you have depth pieces is for those late uh, moves and, and Muncy obviously has driven in a lot of runs this year. So you need his bat in that lineup. And um, let's say the job is done early in the game from him, then that's when you, you make the defensive moves. And um, yeah, I think I honestly, it may seem backwards to some people, but offense takes priority right now over defense. And so um, get the offense, get the runs on the board, let Kike maybe take over later in the game. Um, but for now, yeah, I, I think you have to cut your losses and roll with the guy that's got the best stick for you. Muncie went from a positive seven defensive run save last season to a negative three this season. Interesting yeah, regression. That- that's you know you sometimes the uh the advanced metrics don't really match up with what i'm seeing on the field but that one is is as accurate as it gets some off the wall questions now we'll start with one of our loyal listeners at catch the blues at what price point are you in on blake snell i talked about this actually a couple weeks ago had this question from someone else i'm not in he's gonna probably make close to 200 million dollars because he's going to win his second Cy Young. He's pitching at the peak of his career. If the Dodgers were to overpay for Blake Snell, you're only going to get him on the downward half of his career. And no thank you. He's been wildly inconsistent outside of this magical contract year season. Boris client. Um, I'm not in. No, I I don't <laughs> think there's any reason. No, I, I get the, the talent, obviously, but... The dude can barely make it through five and a half, six innings. I, I want a guy that can go deeper in games throughout the season. Uh, the Dodgers' biggest issue this year, as you've seen, is uh, health. They they need guys that can go deep into games, and Snell is the opposite of that, basically, down the stretch. And, um, you know, we obviously don't know the future of Kershaw here. And uh, you, you just want somebody that can eat innings for you. Um, I don't – I'm not in at all, Not not even a little bit. I mean, especially with Otani being available, it's like you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna break the bank for Blake Snell. You're just not gonna. There, this is a zero percent chance. <laughs> not only am I not in, the Dodgers are also not in. Not happening. Not a fit. Not an organizational fit. Nothing. Financial. Austin fit, Barnes. Yeah. Nothing. Austin Barnes won't let it happen. No. <laughs> Horrendous fit. On that offseason pitcher's note, young Jeremy 33461. Last episode, you talked about starting pitching options in the free agent market for the Dodgers next season. Would you go after Lucas Giolito? He feels he'd be a great reclamation project. Yeah, I liked him at the deadline. I, I, I would have liked to see what the Dodgers would have been able to do with him had he been on the roster. I mean, he certainly was terrible with the angels, but that makes a lot of sense because so was Tyler Anderson, but then he had a couple of really good starts with the, with the guardians. So 
I don't know. I mean, his stuff is is still there. It would have been a good fit. I mean, just Southern California wise. I mean, he's from, you know, Southern California. So um, I, I, I'd like to see it. I, I think I think he'd be a better reclamation project than Noah Syndergaard was. So I, I feel like he'd be a, a much better fit than than a lot of people would would like to think. I'm indifferent. I, I I would not be excited about it, but I, it would just be like an all right, sure, let's let's try it. I guess. He this is his, he could turn his career around. This is your dude right here. Get him on a one year, fifteen million dollar deal. They're gonna have to re, re, they're gonna have to decline Lance Lynn's option because he's not an eighteen million dollar pitcher. So it'll be up to Lance Lynn if he wants to return. But I mean, this is Andrew Heaney two point all over all over it. He's only twenty nine. If he's willing to do the one year deal, he's still plenty young enough to put a full reclamation in his career under the prior lab, enter the free agent market for 2025 or whatever, and get the big bag there. Cause his value is at an all time low right now. I don't expect him to get the big contract that he would have probably sought out a couple of years ago when he was pitching at a much higher clip. I guess my only thought is it's a very, and obviously this is looking way ahead, but that's a very righty stacked starting rotation. Um, and I don't know if you want to be able to throw a lefty in there at some point in time too. Like it's, it, if you add Giolito to the mix where, you know, you're supposed to get Bueller back next year. And, um, on top of that, we're, we're going to sit here and talk about how, uh, on, in addition to Bobby Miller, you, you know, Pepeode and Sheehan, like how many righties are we really going to throw out there at this point? Are we going to try and mix it up? But I, I think Gavin as far Stone's as, not done yet either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's just a bunch of righties. Um, I just wonder if, you know, if they turn internally instead, if they say, ah, that's not even a need for us. I actually think a lot of this postseason may define some of that, because what if we have breakout performances from some of these young guys that have then earned themselves a role, uh, a much greater role down the stretch. So I, I think the postseason, obviously we have to see what happens goes down here. We have to find out everything that goes on with Kirsch and um, you know, then, then we kind of see what, you know, where, where they handle things in 2024. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just think that there are maybe, are better options internally. And I do worry about the mental side. Um, the poor guy's going through a divorce and um, you know, it's just a, there, there is a life outside of baseball too, that I think he's having to deal with right now. You mentioned that on the, the last time you were here I did. and it I did. may have derailed him. Maybe that's why he had a bad second half along with yeah. all the other factors. A couple of things of note here. First off, we're doing a, a JD Martinez bobblehead giveaway on our Instagram page. So make sure to enter that. If you want your chance to win a JD Martinez bobblehead, here's a guy that hit 33 home runs, 103 RBIs in just 113 games. My goodness. What a freaking year. Missed like nearly 50 games. And he did that. <laughs> I'm excited about JD Martinez in the postseason. We're talking about a guy with a 987 career postseason OPS. And this is a huge X factor for the Dodgers. And then on top of that, I just wanted to give a shout out to Freddie Freeman for finishing with a career high, 211 hits in one season. He was so close to that 60 doubles, ended up with 59 doubles, uh, 29 home runs, ended up batting 331, 977 OPS. And Freddie Freeman, I believe, was second now in all-time mark for most extra base hits in a season for a Dodger with like 91 or something. Hell of a also, season. Also, that... Also, that home run Freddie Freeman hit in in San Francisco. Jesus Christ, he hit the shit out of that. I I don't think I've seen him hit 
a ball that far hard uh, as a Dodger before. So hopefully that's a good sign for him in the postseason. I'd love to see him, you know, step up with the power. We'll do a quick. Yeah. Go ahead, Dusty. I, I, I think Freddie, I mean, you got one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Um, and that's since game one, right? Like you talk about a complete season, uh, really no highs or lows. It's it's just highs, I should say. Uh, no lows, just highs. Uh, that's Freddie Freeman. Um, but JD Martinez, man, I mean, he's been the hottest Dodger on this team uh, as far as offensive production over the last month. Uh, dude is slugging over 700 on base percentage nearly 400 over the last month and uh eight bombs on top of that like he's swinging a hot stick going into this time of year that's that's huge for a guy that really you do need to trust can drive in runs uh, the thing about the postseason that's interesting is it's really all about the guys that come in that can move the runners over and then the guys that can drive those runners in right that that's huge because runs are at a premium um jd martinez is the perfect piece for that because uh, he drives the ball the opposite way. Uh, the connection between him and Robert Van Skoyak has been so cool to watch uh, because I really think that's a big reason why you've seen this. It, this did not surprise me in the slightest when when we saw this signing happen in the offseason. I think it should have gotten more hype. It just didn't. And, you know, J.D. has looked the part of what we saw when he torched the Dodgers when he was part of the Red Sox, right? So um, I, I honestly think... He's one of those bats where we're going to need to trust him going into this uh, postseason. Uh, he's going to be as crucial as any of those top guys. Uh, Mookie sets the table. Freddie sets the table. JD's going to have to take that role of driving those guys in. Um, he's going to be is why he should be crucial. hitting third. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Will Smith is uh, unfortunately my my Louisville guy. Maybe the most difficult player to uh, figure out what's going on right now. Um it's kind of frustrating because you sit here and you know you have an all-star catcher. Uh, you've got an all-world catcher there. But he's just not putting together great at-bats. Uh, it's a lot of lazy fly-outs. And, and on top of that, there's just a lack of power for some reason uh, that we've seen down the stretch here in the second half of the year. And it hasn't gotten any better in the last month. I mean, hitting 187 over the last 30 days. Uh, on base percentage is 312, so that's not terrible. But slugging 320, that's just not what you want in that spot. So I, I agree with you. Um, I'm a little concerned about Smith. I think that he may be the X factor this postseason. If you can get a clutch hit or two from Smith, I mean, the rest of the guys have been producing. So uh, it's Smith that's got to turn it on as we enter October. What's like another term for an X factor? because I don't think Smith is an X factor because we expect him to come through, mm -hmm. but he, he needs to be someone that comes through more or less what I'm getting at here. Like this is going to be a big season for, or big postseason for Will Smith because he's starting to get into a funk now where he hasn't really done anything since the big hit off the other Will Smith in the NLCS. He's been kind of cold ever since that big moments in the postseason. So hopefully as we're talking about him batting third, he's going to need to either get productive outs or drive home the runners. You don't want to have a free out with JD Martinez Muncie coming up. It just yeah, it you, kills you him. don't want a free out in, in the three hole. Like yeah. that's just, you don't want, you know, you can't have that. All right. We're going to do our wild card predictions in just a second. A uh, quick 30 second pause though, to talk about TickPick. They are sponsoring this podcast after all the go-to site. If you need to get your tickets, postseason is literally around the corner. Uh, we have the times out now for the wild card round. If you're trying to go to that, 
We have our schedule for the NLDS. I highly recommend TickPick if you want to get your Dodgers tickets because there's no service fees at checkout. If you're a Rams fan and you want to see Puka Nakua, who is the next star in Los Angeles, TickPick's got you covered. Or if you want to see Justin Herbert throw the ball to Keenan Allen, you can get your tickets on TickPick. All you got to do is download the app. It's as easy as that. Search TickPick and they got you covered. I'm telling you, we've all used it here on the podcast. Best deal out there. It really is. All right. We've got our wild card matchups. The postseason bracket is set. I'm just going to go in order based off the screen I'm seeing, and then I'll rotate things around. So we'll start with Dusty first. You can give me a quick 30-second rundown if you want, or a minute. ALDS, six-seed Blue Jays against three-seed Minnesota Twins. Who you got and in how many games? Uh, the easy talent on, and this is the Blue Jays, but they haven't been able to really put it all together at all this season. Um, they're kind of one of those teams that slipped into this thing. The Twins are terrible in the postseason. We know that history. I kind of like the Twins pitching. Generationally terrible. Yeah, yeah generationally awful. I think that's just ends- terrible. Yeah, awful. Historically bad. Yeah. I think that ends. I actually think it ends this year. I really do. Oh, wow. and, and, you know, I, 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 like the pitching a lot. I think uh, the ascension of the lineup, it looks a lot better. Uh, key name to watch out for, what uh, Matt Walner. Uh, kid's got some serious pop. And I, I'm going to take the Twins in, five, uh, in three. Okay, Jake, you're up. You know, you've got you've got the Twins and the Blue Jays. And the, the thing is, is that a lot of both of those teams have have had their fair share of of choke jobs so it's hard to really put your stock in either one of these teams but um i'm going with the blue jays i just think that they have the better offense and i and i think they have and i think they have good enough pitching um to to win and so i i i say it goes i say it goes 3 games but i'm taking the blue jays david's up yeah i mean like i said this is a battle of generational chokers i mean let's not let toronto off the hook either they are notorious for either just missing the playoffs or getting to the playoffs and then just completely shitting their pants so in a battle of the worst choker of the decade against pretty substantial choker i'm not going to be the one asshole who picks minnesota so i'm absolutely taking toronto uh I'm not going to just keep waiting for them to just end this curse. I'm just going to ride the curse until it's over. And then maybe I'll be able to pick them after that. Maybe. I'm that one guy. I am that one guy. Twins have lost 18 playoff games in a row. They haven't won a playoff game since 2004. And I think it continues. I'm I'm going Toronto in two. All right. So we'll start with Jake now. The five seed Texas Rangers going to Tampa Bay, the four seed, the Rays. That's a tough one because the Rangers have uh, a tendency to really, I mean, they could run you out of the, uh, of the ballpark with, with the, the amount of firepower that they have in their offense, but Tampa Bay has just been there. I mean, they've been there and they they have kept that team intact pretty much. And they've been there without pretty much all of their horses in their rotation. So um, the, it's hard to bet against the, the Tampa Bay Rays. But I'm taking Corey Seager and the Rangers in the postseason. And I say that the, that the Rangers win in three. David. 
I'm taking the Rangers as well. Uh, I don't I don't buy the Rays. I still don't understand how they're good, but they just are good. Uh, it's kind of like the opposite of the Padres, pretty much. But I, I do think the Rangers kind of get their shit together. They kind of, speaking of chokers, dude, they, had, they were up three games in this division like four days ago, and somehow yeah. they lost this division. But – I think they. I they think were they a get strike. Their shit they were. They were yeah. a strike away in 2011. <laughs> yeah, they love being a strike away. That's like their thing. So I think it. I think this series does go the distance. I think it's very close, but I think Texas takes it. I'm going Rangers in three as well. Corey Seager owns the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know who the hell's pitching for the Rangers because they have nobody left. But yeah. I learned my lesson last season. The Rays just couldn't seem to score runs in the postseason. They can't seem to score runs really in any postseason. Uh, they lost Franco, who's like a pedophile. Rosarena's banged up. Um, they're just a pretty decimated team right now. They're both pretty crippled. But Bruce Boshi, we didn't even mention his name. There's a guy that knows how to win playoffs. I series. almost did. I almost brought him up, but I don't I'm, like Bruce. I'm going the Boshi factor and Corey Seager. So yeah, Rangers in three Bruce. and Dusty. Talk about a really difficult series to pick because the Rangers couldn't go into this thing really much more cold and they, their bullpen's been really bad. They're, as you mentioned, they're beat up in the rotation. Um, so naturally, I'm also picking the Rangers because that lineup is so good. And uh, Josh Young came back healthy just in time for the playoffs. Uh, I think he has a role. And yes, I'm going to roll with Corey Seager as well as kind of the MVP of that series. So I'll say Rangers in three because I think you're going to see a really well-pitched couple of games from glass now and from Eflin as well. But then the Rays really don't have much depth there to Taj Bradley. Maybe like, I, I, I think that, you know, you're going to see maybe a win in game one from the Rays, and then the Rangers take the final two. All right, David, you can start with this one. The six seed Arizona Diamondbacks will be taking on the NL central three seed winner, Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Milwaukee's going to win the series. Um, I think Arizona was kind of, you know, they got off to that hot start and then they just kind of tailed off. They uh, they brought they brought it together towards the end of the year and salvaged the playoff spot. But I, I don't think they have the legs. I think they maybe get the maybe win the gallon game. And after that, I, I don't think they can compete with Burns, Woodruff and Peralta. I just don't. I don't know if the Dodgers can. All right. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers in three. What really is weird how the Diamondbacks line this up, I guess they weren't thinking, but they're going with Brandon Fat in his near six ERA in game one. That's almost a guaranteed loss right there against Corbin Burns. And then they kind of have to hope they come back from that deficit with Gallon and then Merrill Kelly, who's sneakily underrated. Um, I wouldn't count out Merrill Kelly in a decisive game three, just throwing that out there. So if they do get it to three, it will be close, but I think the Brewers just edge it out with their bullpen. Okay. I'm taking the I'm taking the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the reason oh, is Jesus, dude. And the and the reason, well, anything can happen in a three game series, David. So you never know. I'm listening. But, okay. So what I think is is that I I just like the Diamondbacks roster scrappy wise. I think that they they run the base as well. Corbin Carroll, uh, Cattell Marte, Lourdes Goriel, they've got this sort of like edge to them that I just don't see out of the Brewers lineup. I don't know where the production's going to come from Milwaukee on the offensive side. Yes, Milwaukee definitely has the edge pitching wise, but if I if if I've learned anything from from the postseason, it 
pitching does win championships. They say that, but a lot of the times it's who has the better offense. And I just, I just feel like uh, Arizona could, could surprise, could surprise us. And that's going to be my, my surprise pick. And I think the Dodgers are going to be facing the diamondbacks. Yeah. I mean, I could see it kind of, but I don't like the pick. I know you don't. I, I look at it this way. I think uh, Dodgers fans learned in 2018 playing in Milwaukee is really difficult. Uh, that's like a really shockingly hostile environment for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a contained loud atmosphere. Fans are honestly great in Milwaukee. And when you add good pitching and it's kind of what the Brewers MO has been for a very long time, right? Uh, not a lot of offense, but elite pitching. And when you give me Burns and Woodruff, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I can't shake my head and, and turn the other cheek on that. And um, you know, the thing that I think stood out to me the most was this weekend gallon pitching in a crucial game against Houston and he looked sharp and yet the D backs offense couldn't pick him up. I, I have a gut feeling you're going to see something similar to that again here. And uh, the brewers seem to be scrappy in that sense. I've watched a lot of them this year because of how they played the reds and how they played the Cubs. And um, I just think the brewers, they're, they're one of those teams. They're going to win four to three. They're going to win three to two. That's how they're, that's how they win games and low scoring, edge you out, use their bullpen, and I think they win in two. And finally, I'll start with this one. The five-seed Miami Marlins against the four-seed Philadelphia Phillies. This is the one I feel the most confident in, and I'm going with the Phillies in two over Miami. This is the one team I would not want to face in anything under a best of seven. So, I would be kind of scared if I'm a Braves fan. They've rode their high. They've been cocky all season. This is a juggernaut of a team. And so I think the Phillies are the most dangerous wildcard team in this whole dance. They shouldn't have a problem. They got to the World Series last season. They only got better. Yeah, Turner. I kind of am there with you. Uh, So my last thoughts are just Trey Turner has woken up in the second half and maybe he can get those postseason demons off his chest and do something for once. Go ahead, Dusty. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I, I agree with you hundred um, percent. It's pretty simple. The Phillies offense, you know, we talked about how offense is so crucial. There's a real argument. I mean, this thing stacks up with the, the Braves and Dodgers uh, player for player. And um, you see Harper getting hot. Uh, the Marlins are a fun story. That's fine. The Phillies are an actual ball club that, that can win games and they've got good pitching. Um, I, I got to tell you, they got a really decent bullpen too. So um, I've taken Phillies in two. Phillies are going to destroy. Marlins are done. It's over. Kim Ng's storybook ending is going to be a sad one. It's over. Good night. She tried. She got to the playoffs, which is more than that loser GM could do before her. Good for her. Good for Skip Schumacher. But it's over, Cinderella. The shoe doesn't fit anymore. Phillies in a sweep. Um- they don't have Alcantara, do they? No, nope. or I don't think they have Yuri Perez either. All right, yeah, Phillies in two. All right, that was a full round table right there. Okay, we'll get to the uh, near the near the end of the show now, since it's probably been a good hour. Just a couple of quick topics with the season coming to a close. A few names that I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, and then you guys give me just a quick spiel on one of these guys because we don't have all night. Miguel Cabrera is for sure retiring. It seems like Zach Greinke should retire. And then Joey Votto, we don't know yet, but he might retire as well. 
in my opinion, those are three Hall of Famers. I think there's no question about that. Um, so, Dusty, I'll start with you. Give me one name that you want to talk about real quick of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Votto, the, the guy I've covered. Um, so I, I had a chance. I was fortunate to interview him earlier this year. It was kind of an interesting talk with him because he basically stated to me that he was excited to be a triple A. It was his last kind of effort, if you will. And, and he didn't phrase it as far. This is kind of my last shot to get healthy and get back to the show. Um, and he said, you know, this is a cool level. I, I'm finally appreciating things. He kind of gave with, without saying he's retiring. He kind of gave me the feel of he's cherishing every moment of it. And then the Reds basically gave him, or the fans, I should say, gave him a send-off uh, in his final game. It was a standing ovation. And the way that he handled it, um, you don't see Joey Votto going out there um, and trying to get a second standing O, and he did. You know, he, after he got a base hit, was taken out. They did this whole walk him out there, you know, obviously raised his hands to the stands. Like, it, it, it's pretty clean, I think, that it clear that he's done. Um, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the OPS is insane. Um, he walks at a tremendous rate. Uh, the, the games played 17 seasons, I believe, uh, the, the hits, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be a little more than that. He's just over 2,100, but overall the, the numbers stack up as well as any hall of famer. You'll see that it got in, especially recently. Um, and if you look at the, the slash line career slash line, it just, it lines up perfectly. The, this guy is a superstar on and off the field. It's a shame he couldn't get a chance to win a series um, and uh, he'll be missed, but he's he's a legitimate, I think, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Miguel Cabrera obviously is just the, the, the lock of the most locks that you could get for, for first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got close to a unanimous vote. I mean, he's just was one of the best, you know, one of the best right-handed hitters ever. And um, the, just the, the model of consistency that he, that he had um, the fact that, you know, people literally, I, I feel like some people have forgotten the fact that he won a world series with the Marlins. Like even Bob Nightingale had no idea. Um, <laughs> and, and there was this other, other, dumb fan account that had had said it's a shame this guy never won a title you know like it's just a shame um it's just like really you all you got to do is just look up his baseball reference it's right there um i don't know why you uh, and 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 when he won that world series it was like he put himself on the map i mean he took roger clemens deep um just a, an incredible young player at the time um and then gets that gets dealt along with Dontrell willis to the to the tigers and he had some great runs with the Tigers. I mean, they made some deep postseason runs. They went to the World Series. Um, did didn't end up winning a, a title with the Tigers. Yeah, but... thanks for giving the Giants one. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Detroit. Um, but yeah, just just an incredible, incredible bat. Um, and just such a beautiful swing to short compact, um, definite lock first ballot. Can I bring up Grinky real quick? All right. Uh, I honestly, when I saw that standing ovation he got, and then the the uh, eventual curtain call that all his teammates kind of shoved him out there for, I don't think I've ever seen him that happy. He was smiling for like a consistent like four minutes, which for Zach Grinke is time. like a decade. So I don't know. I think that was probably the coolest moment of today for me was kind of just seeing him like actually appreciate it 
like with his emotions. And yeah, he's he's definitely done. He didn't have the best year for for Kansas City, but for sure a Hall of Famer in my book and one of my favorite characters of, of the game in, in our generation for sure. Absolute weirdo. Yeah, he had like 15 losses this year or something. He was like, yeah, one I mean, they, they were bad. Zach Greinke went two and 15 with a five and six ERA. I Zach, wasn't going to say it because I, you know, it's time to hang it up, better. Zach. It's time to hang it up. <laughs> like you're going to just embarrass yourself if you try to give it another year. The Kansas City Royals aren't going anywhere. Hang it up on a high note with you smiling. But <laughs> the three years he was with the Dodgers, I mean, my God, that was one of the Electric. most dominant stretches I've ever seen from any Dodger in such a short span. Obviously, there was Kershaw, but Zach Ranke is a close second. Uh, it's a shame that he walked in free agency. I know he didn't want to be anywhere near Yasiel Puig. There's a whole lot of drama in that in itself, if you want to do some research and dive into that. But this is a for sure first ballot Hall of Famer. 225 wins, 349 career A. One of the weirdest Cy Young Award winners ever, in my opinion, when he had like no wins, but had like a sub two ERA or whatever way back when with the Royals. So hell of a year, Granky. You would have won that second Cy Young if Arietta didn't no hit the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll never forget when he threw Puig's bag out of the uh the bus and there was a whole hubbubaloo about that. That was that was quite wild. Grinky is a weird dude, man, and I think that's what we're gonna. I mean, look at the characters. Miguel Cabrera is kind of a calmer, quiet killer, right? Like he's just un- unbelievably talented and kind of just stuck to his own business. You have Votto, that's not loud, but just does weird things and, and verbally, you could hear him and see what he does. And then Grinky is just odd to like watch right like he's just a weird dude overall observing makes zero him. sense yeah he's just he's an oddball man I, I i've heard a billion granky stories they're all hilarious and um yeah they're all three very different personalities and i think all three deserve to be in the hall of fame all right last question we'll make this a quick one from real sound hound underscore he dm'd us who's your favorite who's the best dodgers journalist in your opinion Give me the quickest answer possible if you have one. The one like right now? Yeah, I would I would I would think right now. I don't so, I don't I'm just gonna say Jorge Castillo. I know he's kind of off the beat, I think technically, but I'm sticking with Jorge Castillo just because he's the clear best in my opinion. I would go with Fabian Ardaya. He's been on this podcast before. Uh he's pretty much straight to the point. He also is breaking things now these days. And he writes pretty good and detailed pieces on the athletic. I'm gonna go with uh, with Jack Harris, uh, the LA Times, uh, kind of a kind of new on the beat uh, for LA, as far as LA Times. Or actually, you know what? Well, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jack Harris. He, he's young. He's eager. Um, he he's just. Th- th- there have been some games where like the beat writers have just kind of taken off. Like they haven't that they don't tweet during the games or they, they don't give updates, but like, I know like during a rain delay or like there's a weird moment on the field. Like I know Jack Harris is just updating guys uh, up updating the, the people throughout. So um, really liked his, his coverage of the team. And um, he's had some good pieces too. I, I think Fabian just from a distance, he's really probably one of my favorite follows on Twitter too, just because, you know, as I kind of had mentioned off air, I, 
I don't always get to see the first couple of innings of the Dodgers just simply because I'm working on covering other teams myself. So uh, he's kind of one that I would say is my most trusted um, one that I follow. Um, I will say Alden from ESPN, he's not technically just the Dodgers beat, but um, he he's a good, good overall reporter that covers LA sports. And I, I've met him personally, great dude. And he does a lot of hard work and um, told me his story coming over from Florida and uh, just kind of the work he's put in. I thought it was really interesting. He, he's he got double the trouble, man. He has to cover a really good Dodgers team. And then he has to cover the train wreck that's down the freeway, you know? So uh, I, I have some respect for him as well. But he doesn't think Ben Wallace is a basketball hall of famer. <laughs> that's, that's why he covers baseball. <laughs> got anything else, Jake? All right. Any, uh, David, you got any other topics you want to cover? I'm all good today. All right, Dusty, anything you want to cover real quick? Hey, let's have a, let's have a good postseason. Uh, I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, hopefully the games don't go till 4am my time. So really excited about that. And, uh, let's go blue, baby. Let's go, uh, secure a title. Let's all right. We'll leave, on, right. we'll leave it on. We'll leave it on. Wolverines undefeated. Horn frogs are not, but we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna live off what happened this past year. We live in the past. We die. I would if I were you as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last top last topic question I want to throw out there to leave on a high note. So in this Sunday night game, Jets, uh, Jets, Chiefs, they showed Taylor Swift seventeen times on the camera. You don't have to give me a Dodger in particular, but. If a, if any random Dodger started dating a celebrity, who would you want it to be and why? Who do you want to see on the TV over and over and over? Huh. Well, let's let's not forget when Matt Kemp dated Rihanna and how things went yeah. there. It he did won- not go well. Yeah. Pretty sure he won an MVP, but I'd want I'd want Michael Grove. I want Michael Grove to date <laughs> Michael somebody Grove. so that I, I don't have to worry about what happens on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Matt Kemp and Rihanna split in 2010. She wrote, bitch better have my money. Well, guess what he did in 2011 should have won an MVP. There, there, the redemption story. Yeah, there you go. I feel like, I feel like James Altman could be with someone, but I can't, can't figure out like who who would be who would be he, good. James Alman should be with uh, the actress who played Daenerys Targaryen, dude. Oh yeah, what's her name? I forget her name. Emily I have no something? idea who you're talking about. Well, yeah, you're. But somehow you haven't seen Game of Thrones, oh, yeah. which is another the, topic. But one of the worst shows of all time. Yeah, what? totally, dude. Oh my so god, so bad. That's a uh, take. Yeah, Game of Thrones just after sucks, after right? everyone said it, the the last season was terrible. I take my W. No, it wasn't that bad. Everybody who said that is just a big baby. It's um, no succession. Her name is Amelia Clark. See, I knew it was Emily something. Close, kind of. Yeah, Emily. James Altman should date Amelia Clark. Uh, yeah, that's my answer. I mean, hopefully, it's hopefully she's not I mean, married. John Snow. He's wait, you know. Well, James Altman's married, so I, I hope for his sake. Bobby Miller. Not. Bobby Miller, young dude. There you go. I'm trying to think of like who fits. I, I want... didn't know James. I didn't hold on. I didn't know James Altman was married. So uh, sorry, sorry about that. Don't don't date <laughs> sorry, Amelia James. Clark. Don't do it. Sorry, James's wife. I want someone. <laughs> I want a random story like Emmett Sheehan, assuming he's, assuming he's single with like Lizzo. I think that would be freaking oh, epic. Oh, 
Just oh. Lizzo at oh, the Dodger game. This is over. This is over. Would this topic is over. absolutely hilarious. Yeah, Emmett G and Lizzo. Let's uh, let's everybody have a good night. <laughs> Lizzo you should ever, be in jail. Also, you ever see the movie Road Trip? Yes. Just think of that. <laughs> oh, Lizzo needs to be in jail, dude. Oh Jesus! Okay, we've seen all that shit, Lizzo. We're going off the rails here. Yeah. Well. Kevin started it was, it. it was meant to be funny. We're not saddling yeah. Emmett Sheehan with Lizzo baggage. <laughs> we may have some real problems uh, for that season if that happens. Then then the ceiling for uh, Sheehan goes way south. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they way stay, south. as long as they stay clear of Kardashians, they're okay. I think there's Olivia Rodrigo. I don't think Watch there's out any for more. Olivia Rodrigo. She she could be on the hunt. I don't even know who that is. Olivia Rodrigo? Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye. Keep an eye. Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller. That's what I'm telling you. Bobby Miller, Olivia Rodrigo. You heard it here. <laughs> there first. we go. That's a good one. Yeah. Like a there create you go. a player actress for me or something. <laughs> you don't know who that is? No. She's a singer. All right. Might as well be Mary Sue Johnson. She did that song Driver's License. I'm sure you heard that song. Probably have if you played it. Yep. She's the next Taylor Swift in terms of popularity, just to get I triggered. highly doubt that. She's well, pretty close. Yeah, She's you're... like in, in trajectory. It's it's kind of wild. Th- no. These are these are topics we're not qualified to Stop. talk about. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> well, you refuse and you're wrong because no, you can look, I, we'll look back on this. This is not gonna be one of my cold takes. There's no way that person, Olivia Rodrigue, is Taylor Rodrigo. Swift. Dude. Rodrigo. Get the fuck Rodrigo. out of here, dude. I've never even heard of this person. <laughs> well, fucking Kevin End the show, bro. End the show. All right. I don't have any final thoughts, but... Good. <laughs> Dusty, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, next time you hear from us, we'll be previewing the NLDS in a few days. We'll find out who the Dodgers are facing. It'll be Diamondbacks or Brewers. Uh, make sure to follow the Incline Dodgers on social media. Find that in description below. And please, if you're watching on YouTube, like this page, subscribe, give us a five star rating, comment below, ask us any question. We'll respond. We want to get this interactive. And yeah, everyone just enjoy the next few days because those will be the most peaceful times of your lives. Because once it's Saturday, all hell breaks loose. It's nervous sweat time, baby. You guys throw anything else out there before I just hang up. Yeah, it's ner- I mean it's going to be it's going to be a fun week honestly to watch these wild card matchups and and just and just kind of relax and enjoy the playoffs for this week and then we're not going to enjoy the playoffs for the rest of the time that the Dodgers are involved. Yeah, I mean I think as a Dodgers fan you want them to split the first two games. I mean I think that's a that's a no-brainer. So just kind of root for chaos. Yeah, root for chaos. Don't root for the uh, the matchup itself, and uh, don't just circle the the Braves either down the stretch. Because I think every team that's in the playoffs at this point, I mean, we've seen chaos happen. So don't count anybody out. Um, just kind of root for the boys and hope that they can pull through. And uh, I think we shape up well. I think we shape up well. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Incline Dodgers podcast. We're out.